When I was about 16, we were studying one of Thomas Hardy's books at school, and our English teacher, Mr. Saddle, uh, he said to us that we needed to understand that the book uh, was written at eight miles an hour, the speed of a horse, and that in order to be able to really get the feel of the book and the rhythm of it, you needed to read it at eight miles an hour, and uh, not at the 70 miles an hour that was, was the speed of the 1970s. Well, as you've noticed, we are now living at internet speed. And that brings some real challenges to us. We've talked before about hurry sickness. Um, about this time last year, uh, November it was, I did a talk called Rest in a Restless World. And if you've not listened to that, you should be able to find that on the podcast feed together with everything else that you've missed. But one article I read recently said this, and uh, it's coming up on the screen. Many of us possess a deep-seated belief that we don't have enough time. Our first waking thought of the day is, I, don't, I didn't get enough sleep. The next one is, I don't have enough time. This mindset of scarcity lives at the very heart of our jealousies, our greed, our prejudice, and our arguments with life. Not a good way to start the day, is it, if that's the way we're kicking things off. And uh, this, this hurry sickness uh, has an impact, a negative impact, on our behavior. Uh, it's not good for our productivity either. Take, for example, according to Gallup, the average person works close to 50 hours a week. I don't know if you worked out recently how, how your hours stack up with that. Uh, what, but one in five people work 60 hours a week or more. In a book called Free to Focus by Michael Hyatt, he says, push past 50 hours of work in a week and there's no productivity gain for the extra time. In fact, it goes backwards. One of the studies found that 50 hours on the job produced only about 37 hours of useful work. At 55 hours, it dropped to almost 30. The more you work beyond a 50-hour threshold, according to this study, the less productive you become. And yet the same research found that the average professional focuses on work close to 70 hours a week. No wonder we live in a society that is stressed out and sick, mentally and physically. Now, it should come to, as no surprise to us that God has an answer for all of this. And one of the threads that runs right the way through the Bible is this idea of rest that God loves to give to people. As we'll see in a moment, rest has to do with our relationship with God and our willingness to trust him. There's an external rest, which is important, but there's an internal rest that has even more impact. If you've ever read the first part of the Bible, you may remember that the people of Israel, called the, the Hebrews at that time, were a nomadic people. They were shepherds, they were goat herders, and so they moved to wherever the best pasture was. And that meant that they were moving through land that was ruled by other people, other tribes. And so from an early point in their history, they had this deep longing for a land of their own, a land where they would be at rest. And for them, this idea of rest was tied up very much in having their own land. 
But just as they thought that God was about to give them their own land, they had to emigrate because of uh, famine down to Egypt. And during their time in Egypt, after a while, things didn't go so well for them, and they became a nation of slaves within that nation. And so this sense of a land of their own where they would be at rest became stronger and stronger. Eventually, under the leadership of Moses, they left Egypt, they traveled to the Promised Land, and it was always described as a, a land flowing with milk and honey. They saw it as a place where they would be at rest, where their borders would be secure, where they would live in plenty. And that's where they get this idea of shalom from. And shalom is so much more than peace. It means rest, it means uh, prosperity, it means abundance, it means security, it means God's blessing coming down on us in every way on the whole nation. So that's a bit of the history of Israel, but what about us? It's very easy for us to have some kind of wishful thinking, believing that if we had more of something, then we'd be at rest. We'd be able to rest properly, and then it, everything would be okay. So perhaps believing that if we had a slightly bigger house with a bit more space or a bigger garden, then we would be able to rest. Or if we could just afford a better holiday each year, then we would properly be able to rest. Or maybe if we had a different job, we would be able to rest. Or if we went to uh, a different church, we would be able to rest. Because they have more of the Holy Spirit, or better teaching, or better worship, or better this, or better that, or better the other, and we would be able to rest. I don't know if you can see how you do that, if you've ever done it. Or maybe you're one of the few people who has never done that. God loves to bless us. Just as he did the Hebrews as they entered the Promised Land. And so looking for those things and enjoying those blessings that God gives, there's absolutely nothing wrong in enjoying that. And uh, so let's get away from, the, there's a very distorted evangelical thing that says that prosperity and God's blessing is bad. It's not. Read the Bible. It's there right the way through. God loves to bless. But part of the problem with this thinking is that it assumes that rest is about what surrounds us. It's about the externals rather than, rather than what's inside us. So sometimes God allows us to get to a point of restlessness. And some of you may even be feeling that today. A point of restlessness or discontent. And strangely enough, it's a gift from God to you. It may not feel like the best gift you've ever received from him, but that sense of dissatisfaction is actually a gift from God because it's an invitation from him to go deeper into relationship with him. And we then simply have to decide, are we going to turn to him and go deeper or are we going to try and just fix what's inside by changing the externals, which is what most people try and do. It's nice to have physical rest, isn't it? It's nice to have a great holiday. It's nice to take time off, to relax with friends, to uh, enjoy watching a sunset, to watch sport or play sport, to go to the, the theatre or the cinema. They are a blessing from God, but there's more. So I've got three headings today. The first one is rest from work. The first step to being properly rested and to have a balance in life is to follow God's guidelines. 
Uh, he's our creator. He knows us better <clears throat> than we know ourselves. And he knows exactly what is right to bless us. I don't know where we get this idea from that God's a killjoy. God loves us so much, an unquenchable love that is unconditional, so deep and rich that we can never come to the end of it. So let's not rebel against his loving wisdom. So, Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. So this is a creation principle. It has nothing to do with the sacrificial law. It's something that God set in place about how things work in everyday life, right the way through creation. This is about how we order everyday life in a God way. And this was so important to God that he spoke to the Israelites again and again about this and uh, just reminding them again just how significant this is. For example, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. Two things there, rest and dedication to God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your oxen, donkeys, and other livestock, and any foreigners living among you. And therefore it should come as no surprise to us that our productivity goes down if we work seven days a week. It's the same as that, those numbers I was quoting at the beginning. If you work seven days a week, your productivity will drop off compared to working six days a week. It also has an impact on our physical, emotional and mental health. And uh, you can look online and find the research on that. God really does know what he's talking about. He knows that we need time to slow down, to process our emotions, to be with friends and family, to rest physically and mentally. Now, how you apply that is entirely up to you. For many people, the easiest thing is to use Sunday as a day when we don't do any work, study, housework, that kind of thing. Now, immediately, some of you are thinking that you don't have enough time to be able to take a whole 24 hours off. And this is where we come to a really big challenge, I think, about how much do we trust God? Is God really able to provide for us? Are we really willing to obey what he says and leave the rest up to him? Or are we going to take the mindset where it's actually up to us to make it all work out? So this issue of rest, I think, goes much deeper than any externals. And it challenges us to trust God and uh, it's about our willingness to surrender to him. But we'll come back to that in a moment. We need one day a week when we work, uh, when we stop from work and chores and that kind of thing. And it, it really, I don't think it really matters which day that is, but Sunday is the most common day for most people. It needs to be flexible, for example, for professional sports people, because, uh, as you've noticed, much of sport happens on a Sunday these days. It needs to be flexible for doctors and nurses and, you know, many other professions as well. 
I used to work for a farmer who uh, refused to work on Sunday, if at all possible. Now, he, he was a dairy farmer, so the cows had to be milked twice a day. You can't get away from that. The young stock had to be checked and fed. But what we could do was get the feed ready on Friday or Saturday so that we didn't have to do that on the Sunday. So it minimized what we had to do. When it came to the grain harvest in the summer, his neighbors ridiculed him and they said he would never get his harvest in on time if he didn't work on a Sunday during harvest. It's a very pressured time, very long hours. But he always got his harvest in, and usually before then. He told me that there was one occasion where it rained on every field on the outskirts of his farm, on his neighbor's land, and it didn't rain on his, any of his fields at all. And so he was able to continue harvesting because he honoured God, and so God honoured him. Sunday mornings are pretty full on for me, so uh, for me the Sabbath is from lunchtime for 24 hours on, and to be refreshed, and to do things that refuel me. So each one of us needs to work out in practice what does this look like between us and God, and uh, it probably will be different for each one of us, and certainly the things that refuel us will be different, uh, some of us extroverts may spend less time with people than the extroverts do, and that's all fine as well. You know, find what works for you. Be around the people that uh, replenish you rather than drain you, and find things that really help you to be restored, but also to connect with God as well. So the first thing is to rest from work. And secondly, we rest for God, and that's the second heading, rest for God. It's important to stop and rest, but we also want to take time to delight ourselves in God. Deuteronomy 5.14 said, The seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest, dedicated to the Lord your God. So it's not just a day when we do our own thing, but it's a special day. You know, every day belongs to God, but it's a special day when we meet together with others to worship and, uh, and so on as well. And this... Uh, this dedication to God is not some kind of half-hearted religion where we think that going to church on a Sunday has let us off the hook for the rest of the week. Uh, you may come across a few people, less so these days, who have that kind of mindset. They've, they've done their bit for God on a Sunday, and so the rest of the week they can carry on doing whatever they want. When we're busy... Oh, I've jumped ahead of my notes don't want you to miss anything. Um, instead of this, you know, this mindset of I've done my bit for God on the Sunday service, we want to have wholehearted devotion to God which touches every aspect of our lives. And, uh, and that, to do that we need to have this extra time. It's not just that we, we have a heart of worship to God throughout the week, but there, is, there are special times when we... we uh, delight ourselves in who God is. It, so it isn't one out of seven, it's, it's 100%. We devote ourselves to God, we delight in him, and as we do that, we start to find a deeper level of rest for our soul. One of the things that, enables, uh, that rest enables us to do is to create space for God. When we're busy, rushing around, getting things done, we're unlikely, or less likely, to be tuned into our feelings, and so we need time to process them. But also we're less likely to be tuned into the Holy Spirit. 
we're less likely to be able to respond to him because he works through peace. So we need to find that place of peace and then we can rest and then we can experience the other things that he brings us. The external rushing can so easily cause a lack of rest internally. So it's good to have this practice of rest. One day out of seven. But then also to take longer times, which are not just holiday, but holy days. Days where we, which are dedicated to God, where we make space to focus on God, to delight in him, to deepen our relationship with him. And that was partly what we were doing with our two retreat days last month. When I was growing up, there was no sport on Sundays, no shops were open, and so it made it much easier to have family time, to slow down for a day, to rest, and to spend time devoted to God. And uh, it wasn't unusual for our family to go to a worship service like this two or even three times on a Sunday. The pace of life was very different. The Hebrew people thought that having their own promised land would bring them rest. And to a certain degree it did. It was a wonderful blessing from God. But it also became clear to them that rest on the outside didn't necessarily lead to rest on the inside or an increased depth of relationship with God. Because God had more on offer. And that's the third point we're coming to. Rest, surrender to the sovereignty of God. The challenge that some of you are quite possibly struggling over with regards to having a Sabbath day every week touches on some very deep parts of who we are and what we believe and our assumptions about life. I used to have discussions with friends uh, at school and then at university about not studying for exams, not doing coursework on a Sunday and they were saying how unrealistic that was and uh, I said, well, actually, God, God says that we should take a complete break and that we need it. And this struggle is picked up in the, later on in the Bible in the book of Hebrews. So Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, it says, God's promise of entering his rest still stands, so we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. That's interesting, isn't it? It's quite a, he words it very strongly there. Tremble with fear that you might not enter into God's rest. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them, but it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. So the writer to the Hebrews is saying that there is, uh, that this issue of rest is linked to our faith. If we fully trust God and our faith is strong, then we're able to rest. Fully resting says to God that we trust him and we trust him to take care of everything. But as long as we're worrying about work or finances or relationships or anything else, the state of the economy, the elections, uh, so long as we are carrying anxiety about any of those things, we're not resting, we're not trusting God. And sometimes it gets to the point where we have to say, well, I know I can't get everything done, so I'm going to leave those things undone and I'm just going to leave God to take care of them. I'm not going to try and manipulate things. I'm not going to try and control things. I'm just going to leave it in God's hands and he will take care of it. 
if you want to read more about uh, how to order things and how to not create more space but to cut out some of the things that you shouldn't be doing, that, that book, uh, Free to Focus by Michael Hyatt, is a very, very good one. If we're unable to take hold of this promise of rest, which is such a wonderful promise, uh, we're saying that our future and our success depends upon us. It depends upon our hard work rather than God. Uh, to caricature it, I need to do this because God isn't able to take care of it. Now, I'm sure none of us would ever want to get to the position of saying that. Certainly consciously we wouldn't, but perhaps subconsciously that's what's going on that we don't actually trust God to be able to deal with everything, and so uh, we feel that we have to take responsibility on to deal with it. So the question when it comes to rest is how much do we trust God? Hebrews chapter 4 verse 3, only we who believe can enter this rest. Are we able to let go and fully trust God? Is our God big enough? And so in the light of that, how do we respond to him? Now obviously emergencies come which need to be responded to, but the practice of rest is vital for our health, our spiritual health, physical, emotional, and mental. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 6 says this, Now if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So in other words, there's more than the rest that comes from having a nice, a nice land, a nice place to live, flowing with milk and honey. There's more to rest than being able to go on holiday. There's more to all those things. There's a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let's do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel, Israel did, we will fall. So he's, he's picking it out here. It's quite a big issue. Now, the context of these verses is that the writer of the book of Hebrews is addressing a group of Jewish priests who uh, very early on had come to faith in Jesus. But as persecution started to come, they gradually turned their back on faith in Jesus and, and moved back to the Jewish faith. And as we know, those two things are incompatible because it's not through sacrifices that we get right with God. It's through the sacrifice that Jesus did on the cross uh, that we get right with him. And he's saying to them that they will never find rest if they turn away from God, if they turn away from Jesus and what he's done. And that there is a rest available to us that goes beyond the externals. But it starts with resting from work, it's a, but it's a matter of faith. So it refers here to a special rest still waiting for the people of God. This is something deeper and richer than having a nice holiday. I'm, I'm a fan of holidays. I take every, every second I'm allowed. Some of us are old enough to remember the Heineken adverts which claimed that Heineken reached parts that other beers couldn't reach. Some of you can remember that one. Some of you are denying you're that old. But in reality, it's a rest from God that reaches the parts that really need to be refreshed. And uh, God wants us to be able to enter into the blessing of that rest and the fruitfulness that comes from it. 
This practice of rest is an important spiritual exercise for us. It has nothing to do with being lazy, but it acknowledges that we are not God, that we are not infinite, that we need time and space to, be, uh, to rest and be refreshed, and that God will take care of everything else. This practice of rest was built into the created order by God at the very beginning. All of our technological advances don't seem to have increased our rest, do they? They've just sped up the, the, the speed of life. And so it's even more important today in today's rushed society to take the time to rest that God says we need. To be able to process our emotions, to be able to relax, to be able to recharge physically and emotionally. The practice of rest, when we change the rhythm of our external lives, also creates space to be able to engage with God, to delight in Him, to draw close to Him, to worship Him, to experience Him at a deeper level than we would be able to do otherwise. And it takes time to do that. This practice will change us at a deep level. It will also be a relief to everybody around us because we will put aside the things that were there in that quote at the beginning, our impatience, greed, jealousies, and arguments. What this practice looks like in reality is entirely between you and God, and it will probably look different for each one of us. And so there's no place for us to be able to judge someone according to what they're doing or not doing. There are some biblical principles here that we need to apply but we don't want to become religious or legalistic about it. This is about freedom to be able to enjoy God and to be able to go deeper with him. If you've never entered into a relationship with God, if you don't know what it's like to experience the incredible love that he has for us, then today would be a great day to get to know him. We'd love to introduce you to him. Uh, it's about turning to God. It's, a, it's the same thing. It's it's about turning to God, surrendering to him at the deepest level of our being and not just trying to add God on to our already busy lives. Uh, it's about a complete change of direction for our lives and learning bit by bit to be able to trust him. And this is just one of the, the issues that comes up as we seek to follow him. Let's stand together, shall we? If you want to get right with God, if you, if you don't have a relationship with him, you, you know about him, but you don't know him personally, then the easiest thing is just to cry out to him from your heart and say, God, I need you. Please, would you come into my life? Please forgive me for the things that I've done wrong. I want to follow you. I want to go in a different direction from now on. And if you do that, then God honors that cry from your heart, and you'll find that uh, simple though it may seem that uh, life will be different from now on and that you will start to be able to uh, be in relationship with him. The Bible talks about that as being uh, born again, born spiritually. It gives us a new start. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you come. And we want to acknowledge that you alone are God. And we are your people.
and we want to follow you. We want to be obedient to you in everything you say. The big subjects that run through scripture and the little details of our lives. And we want to be able to trust you more. Whether it's to trust you with being able to take a day off and to rest fully. Whether it's being able to trust you with our finances. Trust you with reaching out to our neighbours, inviting them to one of the things coming up around Christmas. We give to you all our anxieties, our fears, our apprehensions. And we ask that you'd help us to have the peace that you alone can give and the rest that comes from that. And from that rest, from that peace, we ask that you'd fill us with your joy. A new level of contentment. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. And we ask that our lives would be marked out as people who have been with you. People who carry your presence with us. People who bring a different atmosphere into the room when we come. And so we invite you to increase your work in our lives. Holy Spirit, come. So Jesus, we surrender. Matt, I wonder if you could come up and uh, you lead us in a song just as we engage with God and rest in his presence. And uh, um, we've got a quarter of an hour before children need to be picked up, so there's no rush here. So we can start to put into practice what we've been talking about and just take a few moments to rest and enjoy God. And you may want to sing along as Matt leads us, or you may want to just rest in God's presence and allow the Holy Spirit to wash over you. Both are good. So just to respond to God in the way that you want to. Before we do that, Ellie, what have you got? Uh, I had, um... Hello? Sorry. <laughs> I had, um, a picture during worship of uh, the time in Lord of the Rings where the Lady Galadriel is giving out gifts before, at the feast, before they go, before the fellowship go, and I, I just had this sense that, um, just this sense of God has bestowed the things that we need for the journey that we're on. And I was reminded of a, a talk I heard years ago by Bill Johnson from Bethel that said, um, everything we go through, God has prepared us for. And if we look back over the last couple of years, we'll be able to see times that have prepared us for the, the things that we're going through now. And that linked with this, this picture of um, Galadriel giving out the gifts. I just felt that some of us may be in a position where we think, I can't cope with this, I don't know what to do with this, this thing's too big, I don't know where to go. And just, just as Andrew said, just surrender to God and, and let him remind you of those times where he's prepared us, remind us of the times he's prepared us for these big things that we're going through because they are there. He never leaves us floundering. He's put something inside us, he's done something that is for this time. So let's just ask him to make us aware of that, that we could draw on it for this, these times.